What's up, guys? Welcome back to Recon is Speaking, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything. I'm your host, Xavier, aka X is Real. I'm joined by my three co hosts. My fourth one will be here shortly, Jose. He's been having a bit of technical problems. But, um, yeah, so last podcast, we forgot to, um, really talk about what it's going to be about. So, uh, we're going to, uh, discuss sports, YouTube, social media, movies, TV, music sometimes. Uh, got my four co hosts here. Like I said, uh, we have George. How you doing? We have uh, Daniel. How's it going, guys? And we have Nick. Hey, what's up? And, of course, we still have Jose waiting to get on the call. So uh, we're just going to dive right into it, and we're going to get into uh, um, movies in the upcoming year. And um, the best movie of 2019, like, what do you guys uh, think of movies this year and um, other TV shows that you're looking forward to, such as The Walking Dead coming back, maybe, like, some animated shows like Rick and Morty and um, all that good stuff. So uh, we're going to get into the best movie of 2019. Uh, what do you guys think the best movie of 2019 was? Uh, we'll start with George. Um, I have two. I know a lot of big movies come out. I still haven't seen Star Wars yet. So I have heard bad reviews on it, though. So I'm not really going to let that affect my decision. But my two have to be The Joker and um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I really enjoyed both those movies great acting in both of them and they weren't like super like mega hyped up movies they were kind of low key mm-hmm. and they both turned out to be really good with some star-studded yeah. casts yeah definitely respectable movies uh joaquin phoenix of course um might be oscar nominated for uh his role in the joker and um uh really good when i went to go see it a lot of good things in that film people were uncomfortable how uh dark the movie was but Personally, I was a fan of it. You know, if you're going to dive into that character, you have to have a dark Joker. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt stole the show. They were really good together. And, uh, yeah, two pretty good movies. Uh, uh, Daniel, what did you uh, think the best movie of 2019 was? I really have to say Avengers Endgame because it did a really good job at bringing the entire Avengers franchise to a close. And it had amazing acting. And if you were in the theater when it was going on, you heard the suspense of the crowd. In certain moments when Captain America got Thor's shield, it just had <laughs> Thor's hammer. I'm sorry. When Captain yeah, America yeah, got it's Thor's fine. hammer. And uh, just moments like that really drove that movie and made people super excited for it. And I feel like the billions of dollars that it drew in, the billion dollars that it drew in a box office yeah. was enough to say that it was... It even beat movie. Avatar. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it beat Avatar, which is uh, was the highest-grossing movie of all time before uh, Avengers Endgame, and then it shattered it by at least, I think, maybe two hundred thousand yeah, dollars. That's, that's, um, that's or crazy. So. And that's um, crazy. Avatar Two is set to come out, of course, uh, maybe twenty twenty one. I'm hearing. And um, Nick, what do you think the best movie of twenty nineteen right, was? Looking back, I really love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, I didn't know much going in to see the movie, and it was just, it just blew me away. Like how the actors did their role so perfectly. Like, it was just a great movie. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you... Lee getting his ass beat kind of got me mad, and I left the movie theater afterwards. Yeah. And there was a lot of controversy uh, concerning Bruce Lee's character, but I think they do uh, did it a pretty good job with it. And, uh, of course, I really like uh, the duo between um, Leo and, uh, and Brad Pitt in that movie. All right. Uh, the best movie coming up in 2020 or TV show that you're looking forward to. I want you to, guys to give me a bit of insight on that because we have a lot of good lineups for 2020 and 2021, but, of course, uh, we're just heading into the new year. So 
Uh, what are you looking forward to uh, most, George? Um, me really, I'm kind of not sure. I'm kind of stuck between shows. I haven't really seen the new um, season of Rick and Morty, or I've heard The Witcher was really good. I haven't seen that either. Oh, yeah. But right now, I'm worried about catching up on different shows like The Walking Dead. I haven't been able to see any of the new season. And I definitely want to see The Mandalorian and The Witcher before I make like a statement on what I want to see next. Yeah. The Walking Dead has increased in popularity since uh, season 10 has uh, come out. And of course, season 9 was pretty good as well. Uh, the new showrunner, uh, Angela King, stepping in there, taking control of the franchise and really bringing more life to it since we haven't seen it since probably <laughs> season 1 to 5. Been, pre- uh, been pretty shallow since then. But The Witcher is very good. Henry Cavill destroys that role. And um, yeah, pretty pretty good choices right there. Uh, Nick, uh, what do you think about the best upcoming movie or TV show of 2020? I mean, I feel like I can't really make a statement because I, I haven't seen a couple of the newer shows like uh, Rick and Morty and The Mandalorian. So I, I still got to see those till I can make a real decision about that. I think you could tell uh, the audience that is that uh, we're really, uh, we're really big fans of um, those type of shows, uh, ones that have humor, ones that um, we've known for a long time, like the Star Wars franchise or from comic books like Marvel and uh, The Walking Dead. But uh, Daniel, what are you? What movies are you looking forward to most in 2020 or TV shows? I'm really looking forward to seeing season two of Mandalorian because I've been keeping up with it. And it's amazing. It has awesome Star Wars Easter eggs that the OG fans know and love. And it's a really good thing that's coming out of Disney, especially after, at least my opinion, the last Disney-ran uh, Star Wars movies. Disney just threw the series in the toilet and flushed it. But Mandalorian, it's not like that. It's just amazing. It's classic Western movies that people love. But it has that sci-fi grit that Western movies don't have. And it really gives it a defining feature. That's super cool about it. Like, you can't see mm-hmm. his face, but you could understand his features through his body language. And I feel like the Ooh. fact that you have a faceless yeah. Um, yeah. antagonist just draws the, draws so much interest. You can't see his face, but you know what's going on through the scenes. It's just very intense. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Do we have Jose now? Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 we do. Yeah, we can hear um, Jose, I would also like your opinion on what do you think the best movie in the upcoming year would be or TV show that you're looking forward to in 2020? Um, I'm being honest. I haven't really kept up with anything coming out. I really like The Mandalorian. Hopefully they just keep making that show more, you know, interesting because as it's going right now, I kind of love the show. Yeah. That's well, all as, I got. As the, as the audience can tell, oh, we're like uh, big fans of The Mandalorian and uh, – it's a really good show. It's on Disney Plus. I'm um, pretty sure that's the only place it is. I mean, you could catch it on YouTube, but it'll be cut down in the day due to copyright claims. But it's a really good show. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, let's move on to the next segment. Uh, if we have nothing else to add, if anyone is anything else, Mandalorian is worth it. Just get Disney Plus. Don't be cheap fucks. That's all I have to say. Yeah. No. Again, we should warn that this podcast has explicit content. So uh, yeah, if there's any. Children under the age of 13 listening to this, I'm, I'm sorry. But uh, we'll move into the next segment. We're going to move into sports like we did last week. We covered um, uh, UFC 245, UFC 246, other UFC cards that we're looking forward to. We covered um, the NFL. Dan helped out with that. Uh, we're going to look towards the NBA and um, other sports too. Um, but first, I want to talk about um, the UFC and um, 
go back into um, one of the cards that I'm particularly interested in. UFC 248 will be um, Khabib versus uh, Tony Ferguson. Finally, <laughs> the match in the making that has been about four years now, but hasn't happened. Fifth time's a charm, right? Fell through like three times. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also being told that um, Robert Whitaker will also be fighting Jaron Cannonier on the uh, undercard uh, middleweight fight, the former champion. And on the other card, um, George, what do you think uh, Tony could do differently than other opponents that Khabib has faced to uh, get the crown? Um, I know this might be controversial, but I feel like other fighters who face Khabib give him too much respect in his wrestling. He's a great wrestler, don't get me wrong, but they respect him too much, and that takes away from their skill set. Like Dustin Poirier backing up too much, worrying about the takedown and not letting his hands go like he did in previous fights against Max Holloway and um, Anthony Pettis. So I feel like Tony's not going to give him that respect, and he's just going to come forward like he does against any opponent and just go crazy and be unpredictable. And I think that's mm-hmm. like the only way to beat Khabib yeah. is to be unpredictable and catch him with something. And that's, of course, who Tony, uh, Tony Ferguson is. He's uh, El Kukui, uh the boogeyman, and he's just unpredictable. He's a chameleon. He changes up his style in multiple fights. We saw that in the Anthony Pettis fight. We saw it in the Donald Cerrone fight. Uh, many other fights, Kevin Lee. Uh, Daniel, what do you think uh, Khabib has to do in order to shut down Tony Ferguson's uh, chameleon style? All I have to say is if anyone's going to give – Habib a run for its money, it's Tony Ferguson. And Habib's wrestling is solid, but I honestly don't think he can win. He could beat Tony because he's not ready for somebody who's that unorthodox to the level of fighting that Tony is. Tony is a world-class level fighter, and he's unorthodox in his style. So I'm honestly... The fact that Tony might roll into a heel hook or something like that it's not unquestionable in my mind. So I feel like something like that's totally possible. Uh, Tony could catch him in a submission, or he could probably clock him in the face with a punch or a kick. But if Habib is going to win, it's probably going to be by his ground and pound because his pressure is unmatched when he gets on top of someone and starts throwing hands. It flusters a lot of people because he has that Mm -hmm. strength advantage. He has that size for a lightweight that a lot of people aren't used to. And when he gets his legs wrapped around somebody else's, it's hard to break that control. He's really good at keeping control and keeping the pressure going. So if he just does that against Tony, his chances might be high. And uh, I have one more thing before we move into the next sport. If Tony was to win that fight, of course you got to do a rematch between him and Khabib later on in the year maybe. But let's say Connor gets on a win streak. Let's say he beats Donald Cerrone at UFC 246. And he, instead of facing Masvidal, he comes and faces Justin Gaethje, let's say. And he beats him. What do you end up doing in that situation if you're Dana White to make a fight that makes sense, including Connor in that conversation with Tony and Khabib? George, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, for Dana White, you have to look at it from his perspective. He's seen as someone who's a Connor Dick writer. Connor makes a lot of money. He sells a lot of pay-per-views. So sometimes Dana White gives him those fights he asks for just because he knows he's going to get paid. And that's like kind of a little bit of a sucky part about the sport because there's a lot of fighters who earn it. But I feel like Dana's going to have to sit back and let Connor earn his title shots now, especially coming off. I think he's like two and two in his last four fights. Yeah, he's definitely gonna have to start earning 
title shots. And I think putting him against Cowboy, who's coming off of, I think, back-to-back losses, will be good for him. He has to, if he has to get best Cowboy, he definitely has to do that first. I don't think he'll get a title shot right after that just because of where Cowboy's at. Beating Cowboy doesn't exactly give you a title shot, as we've seen from um, Justin Gaethje, who just knocked him unconscious recently. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I definitely think uh, Dan- he's to at least win two. Yeah, of course. Um, of course, I won't get him a title shot right away, you know. And uh, he said Connor's a moneymaker, but he's two or two in his last uh, four fights, so definitely needs to get on a roll in order to be included in that conversation. Daniel, uh, I want to also get your opinion on this. You see, Connor has a draw factor, like George is talking about. He sells a lot of fights, but he still needs to reapprove. He still needs to prove himself again, because, like George said, he came back off of two losses in his last fight. So if he can prove himself with uh, Cerrone and then fight Gaethje and win, I feel like just because he has that draw to self-fight, he's going to get the fight against Tony if Tony beats Habib. And the rematch is most likely going to come again later against uh, Habib and Tony. So yeah. that's definitely what's going to happen. And that would be an amazing fight to see. I would love to see Tony versus Connor. That would be a great fight. We've never seen that before. Yeah. Uh, we got our... Uh... Our weekly podcast UFC talk in. Now we're uh, we're gonna move on to the next sport if we don't have any more comments. Um, we're gonna move on to the NBA. You know, um, still a young season. Uh, Nick, I know you're an avid watcher of the NBA. Of course, uh, I am. Yes, you're. you're I, I'm not sure if you're a big Knicks fan anymore. But, uh, still am. Still stay loyal. <laughs> you know, we're putting yeah. a win streak together. The- they're still rocking it with RJ Barrett. Um, they got some good pieces. A lot, a bit of a disappointing off season since they didn't get anyone big like Kevin Durant, Kyrie, like they were hoping for. And instead, they went to the other side of New York to Brooklyn, which was heartbreaking for a lot of Knicks fans. Yes, yes, uh, it what was. What do you think the Knicks, the Knicks have to do in the next few years in order to turn things around? I mean, we've got a young future right now. I'm liking where it's at, truthfully. But we got rid of our head coach, Fizdale. He wasn't working at all. The offense was with Fizdo was just horrendous. But since we got rid of him, the backup coach, he's been, I think, three and four with this same roster. It's like five, six power forwards, which is stupid. So, yeah. I, I mean, we got a lot of young players with R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Frank Nilakina, Kevin Knox. But we just need a good head coach that could help propel this young offense and do yeah. something on defense, you know? Hmm. And um, Jose, I know you're uh, also an avid. Um, I'm not really sure what team you support, though. I know you're a big supporter of Kyrie Irving, um, who I'm a big fan of too. Ever since he was at Cleveland, uh, he's of course with the Brooklyn Nets now after a short stint with the Celtics. Um, what's your what's yep. your take on the Nets this season so far? They, they've been they've been on and off. It, it's we. It, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. It's because when Kyrie's on the court, he does his part, but everyone else doesn't. But then when he's mm-hmm. off the court, everyone else seems all right, but never, never. There's never really anyone who shines on that team besides Kyrie Irving, in my opinion. That's why I don't feel like they'll get a high seed, maybe eighth, seventh, nothing too high. Yeah, and um, of course, Kevin Durant is thinking about coming back early of course he had that injury where he was supposed to be out the majority of the year maybe be, uh, be back for the playoffs but um, thinking about coming back in March which is not too far away about two or three months away 
Um, if they do get Kevin Durant back, is it possible they make a run and win the East? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think if Kevin Durant does come back, it's too risky. I think he'll just get hurt again like he did last time, if I'm being honest. I think he should just sit out for the season. Yeah. Hope for next season for top two seed in, in the East. Of course, the, the, the East still has a lot of good teams, like the Milwaukee Bucks with uh, Giannis, the reigning MVP. They still have the 76ers to worry about with uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Joel's been a, a monster this season, but I want to see more of Joel letting himself go in um, in game, just taking over, doing what he needs to do. You also got um, teams like the Raptors, who are somehow still good without Kawhi, which I did not expect whatsoever. Nah. Um Nick and Jose, I want to hear your thoughts of who will be playing in the NBA Finals this year. And um, do you think uh, the Lakers will be there, the Clippers? Uh, who do you think it is, Nick? I mean, that's going to be a crazy Western Conference like Finals because Clippers versus L.A. probably. Because they're both really good this year. When Kawhi and PG are on the court, that's just mm-hmm. it's unstoppable. It's insane defensive and offensive duo. They have some good bench pieces. And then the Lakers, they just have such a good, strong starting core of LeBron, AD. Like. And then in the East, you have Milwaukee Bucks who are just on fire. They're probably going to continue off, yeah. probably be the one seed, probably. And then there's the Raptors, like you said. They went on a crazy run the other day. They were down oh, by, yeah. like, I think, 30 or, like, 20 points. They came back and won by, like, three. Yeah. Oh, crazy. and the Heat too. You can't forget about the Heat. They just beat the Sixers at, uh, the heat, in Philadelphia. Heat have been weird. Like they have like one superstar in Jimmy Butler, but like other people have been shining. Like Bam Adebayo, uh, Tyler Hero. It's yeah. just they're, they could make. I think they could make a run in the playoffs. It gives teams a run for their money. Uh, who uh, who do you got in the finals though? Who, I mean, who do you, who do you see? Uh, winning I that? think the Bucks are gonna pull through, make the finals, and then I want to take the Lakers over the Clippers. I just think LeBron's mm. got to get another shot at the ring, one last. So, uh, who wins Lakers versus Bucks twenty twenty NBA finals? I mean, I, I would like the Bucks to win. Young Giannis, great core around him, but. That's just LeBron, who could do almost anything on the court, and Anthony Davis, who could just I'd go off and put up forty. Like, yeah, it's just a generational talent on the same team. Yeah, so as, you're still fifty-fifty. Uh, yeah, but uh, what I'm hearing, I, I think I think I'd have to take the Lakers over the Bucks because, like, yeah. unless Giannis can get his three-point going, he's been doing pretty good, like uh, developing his three-point shot. If he can continue, because I think he went like five for eight in one of his last games, which is pretty good for him. He's like, he went from like shooting three point, three point, three, three pointers a game to like eight, which is good development for him. Since he's like seven feet tall, it's just scary for the future of the game. And um, Jose, I want to also hear who do you think will be playing in the NBA Finals this year? Same. For me, the East and the West. I feel the East is is obviously a lot easier to predict than the West. I think the East is going to be the Bucks. I don't think there's. I think the only other team in the East that could compete with the Bucks is probably the Raptors, or even even the Celtics. Also, to be honest, but in the West, yeah. I it's obviously always going to be between the Clippers and the Lakers. But I think I think a dark horse in the West could be um 
the Mavs, the Mavericks. They have Luca, who's mm-hmm. having an MVP Ooh. season. Porzingis, who's just being disgusting, even with threes and stuff like that. They're, Seth yeah. Curry's making his shots. Like they, they have a really good team, I think. And they beat, they beat the Lakers. They beat the Bucks. They beat the Bucks without Luca. Um, so oh. um, I don't know. I think, I think probably the Clippers will make it to the finals from the West. I'll say the Clippers over the Lakers. And then they'll play the Bucks, and I think, I think the Bucks would beat the Clippers. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't even really think of the Mavericks too. I know this is kind of selfish because I'm a Rockets fan, but the Mavericks are playing really good this season. You know, Luka Doncic looking like a MVP caliber player. You know, coming from Europe, Real Madrid, the basketball club, and he's looking absolutely dominant. And um. Kristaps Porzingis, like you said, coming from the Knicks via that trade, was injured for a bit. But them two together, it's gonna be it's gonna be dangerous in the West for a, while, uh, a long time. Yeah, Luca's averaging twenty nine points, nine rebounds, basically nine assists, almost a triple double. He's only twenty years old, like yeah. that. That's crazy. I, he has to be in the MVP conversation for sure. It, it kind of sucks that he got hurt though. Like that, yeah, that it says of... it says he's gonna be out until like a bit after Christmas. So yeah, uh, it's not yeah. that bad. Hopefully, hopefully it comes back just. I mean, it, it just it just sucks to see some young talent go down. Yeah. Especially when he's making a run like he is with the stats he's putting up. Yeah. Yeah, it was against Miami or something like that. Oh yeah, I think it was uh, ankle injury or knee injury. Yeah, it was his ankle. Yeah. We're gonna move on to a, a short little game in the sports segment between um, the four of us since we lost Daniel for the moment. He he will be rejoining soon though. Um, this one's called uh, Book It or Hate It, and I'm going to give you a series of sports events that I think may happen in um, the 2020s, the new decade, and you tell me if you book it, meaning that you think it's going to happen, or hate it, thinking it's not going to ha- uh, not going to happen, and I want you to give me a little explanation on each, and I'll aim it at specific people, since I know some of us have more knowledge on it than others. Um, this one's for Nick and Jose. LeBron will win only one championship with the Lakers. Book it or hate it, Nick? I think book it. I think he's he's getting old. So they got to make something happen. Some younger time. I mean, if Kuzma step, steps up and AD keeps doing what he's doing, I think an aging LeBron maybe might be able to get a second. But I think this year's is his window. You you never know when the window's going to reopen for an aging player like LeBron. Yeah. All right, uh, Jose. Same question to you. Uh, book it or hate it? Uh, I I book it. I think I think one is not too much of a stretch. It's LeBron. At the end of the day, he's top two players of all time. I think he would get at least one ring with the Lakers. Maybe if not this year, next year. But if he doesn't get it in the next year, he he, he I don't think he'll get it ever again. To be honest. Yeah. And um, this one is for George. Um, John Jones will be going up to heavyweight soon, and he will be the new heavyweight champion in the coming uh, decade. Book it or hate it? Uh, I'd say hate it. Um, only because there's a lot of champions right now that everyone are saying are the best in their division, best of all time. And they're getting beat. They're getting beat bad. They're getting shown up on the world stage and I don't see why like a goat like John Jones would risk going up. It only takes one shot in the heavyweight division. Why not stay in your division and absolutely demolish like he has been doing and just run through for years. I think that's more impressive than going up and getting a second belt just to lose your old belt. 
that is basically useless. A lot of champions have done that. And it's cool to be double champ, but then they give up the belt a few days later, and it's not as cool, and you're just one champion again. Just seems like a waste of time to me. Yeah. And uh, also a follow-up one for you, George. Um, If John Jones is to stay at light heavyweight, a possible Israel-Adesanya matchup, um, uh, this one is another book it or hate it. Israel-Adesanya will beat John Jones at light heavyweight. Book it or hate it? Um, Hate it. I know a lot of people use this excuse that Israel Adesanya is too small. I don't think he is for his weight class. But going up is a whole different animal. Going up to that weight class, I don't see it happening. Similar to that of Connor going up to welterweight and staying there. He's He's gone up yeah. to welterweight before, but he's faced the lightweights at welterweight. So he's facing people yeah. from his division. If he faces Kamaru Usman, that is a giant. He's going to get absolutely mauled. If he faces Tyron Woodley, he's getting destroyed. It's just we've seen him at welterweight fight well only because he's fighting other lightweights. And I feel like the same thing will happen with Israel Adesanya if he tries to move up and face the GOAT, John Jones. Yeah. Um, this one's for Nick moving into the NFL. Patriots won't win a single championship in the 2020s. Book it or hate it? I mean – would this season count? Because I think I think they have a good chance this year if they can make the Super Bowl. But yeah, this, it's just, this season counts. I think if they'd have to be later on in the decade after the Tom Brady era. They'd have to draft someone pretty strong quarterback. The future draft classes are looking pretty strong, like the Justin Field and Trevor Lawrence into the future. But I don't know with Tom Brady, the the young wide receiving core of the Patriots. They got some young guys like Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, but. I don't know, because as a past man, I can I want to see them win, but mm-hmm. it's just because the Pat Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, uh, other young quarterbacks and in the AFC who are all hungry for championships, fighting, working their own. It's competitive. I, I like yeah. it. I like the development because a lot of the newer quarterbacks, they can still throw. They can sit in the pocket. But they also have that running side to them. Yeah. That's always good for the sport, more athleticism. So I, I think my answer is no because yeah, they have to rebuild pretty hard. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think because the mentality the Patriots have, like this do your job, give all your effort, those are people who want to win. But I just mm. I don't see it happening in the future. Yeah. Um, this was moving into Major League Baseball, a sport that we haven't talked about on the show yet. Um, the Yankees will go another decade without winning a World Series. Now, of course, they did not win one in the 2010s, the first decade which they did not win the World Series since the formation of Major League Baseball. And I'm going to go to George and Nick on this one since you're both Yankees fans. Um Book it or hate it, they will not win another championship this decade. Hate I'll it. let Nick go first. Uh, I like – they made a big decision to get Garrett Cole, one of the best pitchers in the league from the Houston Rockets. And then they uh, still Astros. have Astros. the Astros. My bad. Yeah. Thinking of the yeah. long sport. Right city, yeah. though. And yeah. I think I think that they got to at least one or, one or two because, like, it's competitive. They're getting better. They have some young guys in, like, the – the farm leagues and like they have a lot of top prospects that they're not willing to trade away that's how they got young guys like Glaber Torres Miguel Andohar 
They just bring up young guys, and then those young guys can produce, bring up their value, and then they're trade worthy. Yeah. They, I think, they'll win at least one. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, the Yankees still have um, the hard hitters like John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge. They got Garrett Cole, like you said. And um, I don't think the offseason is done. Maybe they get one more guy in that, that bullpen now that Sabathia is gone. They may need a little more weight at the pitcher position. Um, Blake Torres, of course. Um, George, um, do you think the Yankees will go another decade without winning a World Series, or do you think they'll win one? They're definitely going to win a few. They're too nasty. That guy Aaron Judge is a fucking animal, let me tell you. Once he hits the ball the way he hits the ball, we haven't seen it in the Bronx in a while. And I think he's going to smack him and smack him again, and they're going to lift that trophy. Best New York impression I've heard from you in a while. All right. There's a follow-up one for you. Um, We're going back to the UFC as we finish off this segment. Um, Khabib Nurmagomedov, of course, is the reigning defending light heavyweight champion—not uh, light heavyweight, lightweight champion of the world. And um, book it or hate it, he will lose more than once in the octagon in this new decade. Um, I hate it only because um, I see him doing two more fights, maybe three. I know he wants to get um the Tony fight off his um bucket list. He wants to fight GSP. GSP says he's retired, but we know how that goes in the UFC. I say he he does at least three more fights, maybe two. Um, I see him facing Connor again, but I feel like if he loses once, he's gonna call it a career and not want to make it a habit of losing and getting losses on his record. So I think he'll um either lose to Tony and retire, beat Tony do another fight after that, and then retire. But I definitely see him only losing once, if at all. Yeah. Of course, um, the opening fight that he has um, this decade is uh, against Tony Ferguson. Maybe the GSP fight, if he decides to come out of retirement at at lightweight, who knows what could happen for uh, Khabib. Uh, We're going to move on to the next segment uh, here, moving away from sports. Uh, We're going to move into the YouTube world once again. Um, last episode, we talked about YouTube boxing and other stuff on YouTube. We talked about KSI versus Logan Paul, the announcement of and possibility of a Nissan Gibb and uh, Jake Paul. It is officially confirmed via KSI's Instagram and drama alert and um, other YouTube sources. A Nissan Gibb will be facing Jake Paul in Miami, Florida um, on January 30th. And um, I want to hear your guys' opinions on this. We'll go to George first. How do you think the fight plays out between Gibb and Jake? And um, what do you think is next for the winner? Um, I definitely have an Nissan Gibb winning that. Not because I'm not a fan of Jake Paul. It's just how they box. An Nissan Gibb's a killer. He goes in there and he wants to compete. He wants to take out the guy in front of him. And he's just going to do that though. every round, round after round. I feel like Jake Paul, he was getting beat by Deji. He was getting hurt. And it seemed like he was deteriorating. The only reason he won that fight is because Deji um, gassed faster and they threw in the mm-hmm. towel. But I definitely see Gibb moving forward and just taking him out. I don't care who his coaches are. Gibb just has that killer instinct in him that I don't think Jake possesses. And I think he beats him. Yeah. Of course, uh, Anisan Gibb, um, small, uh, relatively small to the U.S., but big U.K. YouTuber. Um, I think almost 2 million um, subscribers on YouTube, a uh, bit of a media following courtesy of um, some of the side men, but 
He makes pretty good content, mostly known for FIFA. Um, he had two previous fights between um, uh, Jay Swingler and um, uh, I think uh, Jay from TJIF, bro. I think was the other one. And um, another another small UK YouTuber, but anyway, um, Nick, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Gib, but um, how do you see uh, Gib versus Jake Paul going in Miami? I've got Gib. Like, I just think they're both really good fighters, but I think it's gonna come down to heart. And I just see that in Gib, and I don't see it in Jake Paul. That like that heart. That just who wants it more. That's what I think yeah. it's gonna come down to. I think Gib's gonna have more of it. Mm-hmm. And um, Jose, moving on to you. Um, who do you got, Gib or Jake? I have I have Gib also. I think I don't. I, I think Gib takes it more seriously, like the training and just the sport in general. I don't think Jake Paul. I think Jake Paul could care less about it, to be honest. He has everything yeah. I was going for him. Gib is a better boxer, better, just a better athlete, low key. Uh, I, I have any any song Gib. Yeah, and uh, before we move on to the next YouTube uh, uh, segment, one more scenario. Um, let's say somehow um, uh, Jake Paul beats Gib, um, and Jake gets a match against KSI that he's been waiting for for the longest, which would mo- most likely come towards the end of 2020 because KSI said he's taking some time off, of course. Uh, um, who do you have in uh, KSI versus Jake? We'll start with Jose. He's getting killed. KSI would destroy Jake Paul. He, you saw the game, the fight against Logan. Logan's a lot. Logan's taller than uh, KSI. He had a better reach, but KSI still hurt him. And Jake yeah. Paul's smaller. He doesn't have as much muscle. He's gonna, he'll destroy Jake. He just will. KSI, of course, uh, training with Vidal Riley, amateur fighter uh, himself, has been like a brother to him. And um, they've been together ever since uh, the Joe Weller fight in um, early 2019 when he beat um, Joe Weller and then moved on to Logan Paul, was still there with him. Uh, Nick, who do you have, uh, Jake Paul versus KSI, if Jake was to beat Anissan Gibbs in Miami? I think I I have to take KSI. Like like earlier, I said heart. I just think KSI takes the sport so seriously. Mm -hmm. Like, I think... He'll just he'll outwork him, and then he's gonna outfight him. Yeah. And um, George, um, last one, uh, KSI or Jake, if that fight was to happen. If that fight was to happen, I don't think Hart would come into play only because both fighters would be trying to avenge their brother's loss. Jake, mm-hmm. obviously, his brother lost to KSI, and KSI, obviously, his brother lost to Jake. So I think that plays a factor. They're both competitors, and they're both going to be looking to avenge um, their brother. And I think family and blood, it changes the way you look at a fight, especially Jake. Uh, all In his last fight, he was just looking to not get embarrassed by Deji, an irrelevant YouTuber, honestly. And yeah. KSI, his was more about his pride. But both fighters would be going into it with revenge and with like their blood, their family name on the line. And yeah. neither fighter wants to, both of their brothers to lose to that one guy. So I think both would be like more hungry and it would go down to skill and both have great trainers. I know Jake's team is a little more experienced in training, but I feel like KSI still works really hard to even that out. So I'm not really sure how the fight would go. If Jake's able to get past the Nissan Gabe, you have to keep that in mind. 
that if this fight was to happen, then Jake already got past and he's a great fighter. And that's a great experience for both of them. So I really don't know. Like, given the scenario, I'm down the middle. I have no clue who would win that fight. Of course, uh, Vidal also trains with Anisan Gibb in um, England. Uh, same training camp. Uh, JJ and uh, JJ, also known as KSI, uh, sparred with Anisan Gibb various times throughout his uh, training camps. And um, Gibb's a tough, uh, tough guy, dude. It's not going to be an easy fight for Jake, but Jake. Uh, Took this fight because he wants to get to KSI. He wants to avenge Logan. And I know KSI would be waiting there for him uh, when it came down to it later in the year. And, um, yeah, I think that would be a good fight. And I'm looking forward to uh, Gibb versus Jake. Of course, uh, like we said, in Miami, January 30th um, of 2020. All right, we're going to move into the next YouTube subject. We're going to move into, of course, YouTube Rewind. 2019 has not looked so good thus far. Already eight million dislikes about only 2 million likes on it probably even worse than last year um i think a big problem with it is um there's just lack of vision and including big youtubers and ones that many of us really know trying to get i know it's good to try to get the the lesser known ones or the international ones involved but if you really want to make a good one you should just get all the ones you know in there and um just try to make the best video that you can content-wise and try not to be too much focused on fan service. Um, moving into that, I want to hear your guys' top YouTubers of 2019 and um, just how you think they did. Uh, we'll start with George. Top YouTuber of 2019. Well, I have missed a lot, but not based off of um, views or numbers. I think just based off of their year and what they're able to accomplish – I have to say KSI. Yeah. He took yeah. on a very controversial YouTuber, a very big name YouTuber in the United States. And that's absolutely crazy to go over and take on such a big name and beat them in boxing and have both of your careers on the line, your name, your pride, and to be able to come out on top in your first professional boxing match is absolutely incredible. And I know it did a lot for YouTube. It gave um YouTubers a lot more respect in the public eye mm -hmm. and for the first time you really see people who just make online videos out there working for their money and showing that they're not pushovers and that they can go out there and fight so I think yeah. he definitely takes it um, uh, Nick uh, who's your best YouTuber of 2019 I mean I like what Mr. Beast has been doing he, he did that whole thing with like planting a bunch of trees he gives out a lot of money oh, yeah. to like he do donates a lot I just like how he gives back what he earns, mm -hmm. and he, he does a lot of good. You just, you just got to respect. Yeah, a lot of good content from Mr. Beast. Uh, of course, giving away, doing a bunch of challenges, the tree planting. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's been a good YouTuber this year, making a lot of good content. Um, Jose, who is your top YouTuber of 2019? Yeah, I would have to agree with George. I think just with what KSI has done, like, he's – he went from just a YouTuber to a professional boxer, right? He's professional now? Yeah. Or so no, he's, yeah. Professional. Yeah, he became a professional boxer, uh, uh, sold pay-per-views, sold out a stadium, I think. Like, the, yeah. the things he's doing, it's not something a regular YouTuber would do. And he's he's doing it not just for the money. He's doing it because he actually cares and, he, and he's passionate about it. And that's what makes it a lot better. That's what makes it so much, like, more, um, like – impressive to me 
That's I think he's just overall way better than anyone else. And adding on to the KSI pick, of course, he also went on tour. He's doing the music. He's doing a bunch of other stuff. Oh, yeah. the, the New Age album um, made a song with um, SX, the baby, and um, Rick Ross. Um, and uh, it was really good. It was, I believe, it was trending in the UK. I think top ten, maybe top twenty. Um, yeah, he's had a really impressive year. I think I'm gonna say. It's not really a person as itself. It's a group. And I'm going to say it's a group that KSI is a part of, the Sidemen. I think the Sidemen crushed it in 2019. And not to be too much fanboyish on them, but they've just made great content all towards original content. Of course, with um, the uh, the video idea that Josh has had, um, the $10,000 versus uh, $100 vacation, which was just brilliant. You get to see how they experience um, emotions and um, they're just so much comedy together and such a good, well uh, well rounded group um, in the UK and uh, a lot of original content. And I'm really liking what I'm seeing from the side. Keep it up in 2020. All right, we're gonna move on to our last segment of the show. It's a short one, but I think it's a good one just to talk about it a bit. Um, move on into music. And um, we're going to talk about our favorite artists of the decade and um, what we think was the best album of the decade. Now, um, uh, we're going to start off with George for this one. Uh, just to give us a bit of insight of uh, what he thinks about the music of the 2010s. So who was your best artist of the decade in general? Not just of the year, of the entire decade. And what was the best album? Um, my best artist of the decade. That's tough, but I yeah, it's a lot of personally. It's not my favorite artist, but I'd have to say Drake. Year after yeah. year, he puts out hit songs and gets on the billboards every year, and there's not a lot of artists that can do that and say they do that. And it's just like every year, there's a new Drake song that everyone's listening to. Regardless of you like rap or not, or if you're a fan of them, there's always something from Drake on the radio. I think that's not easy to do. And he was doing it in the late 2000s and throughout the 2010s. Yeah. Year after year after year, dropping new albums. Um, uh, also, and that's uh, not easy. It, it doesn't have to be from Drake, but what do you think was the best album in general of the 2010s? 2010s. That's tough for me. Um, I'd have to say probably. Oh god, that's tough. It, it, that's it is me tough. You have to think about all the good. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, but uh, of course, Drake has made like a lot of good albums. Um. Just since you're thinking about what the best album is, can you tell me like what half of um, the decade of Drake songs do you prefer? Do you prefer like the early 2010s, like some of his songs, like um, uh, Passion Crew, or um, uh, I I'm just blanking because there's so many good ones. Um, uh, he just has so many good songs, and he's such a complex artist doing so many different things and um i really like that pick of drake as the uh the best artist for you of uh the 2010s and um we're gonna go to nick now who do you think was the best artist of the decade 
and um, best album. Again, it doesn't have to be the correlate between artist and album. I mean, my personal favorite had to be J. Cole. I like what I, I like what he did. How he's dropped like I think five albums. A couple of them, my favorite. I like how he dropped the uh, the KOD album. Talking yeah. about like awareness, to, like young rappers getting into it with like a lot of drugs, mm-hmm. and alcohol, and all that dependency on it to like be become popular and ride trends. Yeah, and I think my favorite album. It might have been a. It's a lot of good albums. This is a hard one. Uh, yeah. I think I think that's probably harder than the artist because you got to yeah. really really think about the album as a whole. Yeah. I would say the that Kanye West album because um, it was different. It was the uh, my dark twisted fantasy that one. Not that one. This yeah. most recent one, the re- most, like very most... hardcore religious one. Oh, um, Jesus. Uh, uh, yeah, Jesus. I'm thinking. Wait. I'm gonna look it up. It's, it's the one with "Follow God," right? On it. Yes. Yeah. Is his most recent one because it was different. Like he just he waited a long time to oh, drop Jesus. it out. Like he could have dropped. I think it was Yandi. He, he yeah, had a young project in the making, and yeah. he didn't drop it. He just stopped midway through. He said he was gonna drop it, and he said nah. Yeah. And then he just switched it up and dropped. Oh, I don't remember the name, but it's Jesus is King. Jesus is King. Thank yeah, you. Jesus is King. Yeah. It was different. It was like how he felt. And like, it was different because you don't really see a lot of people rapping about like religion. Yeah. It was just, it was different. That's all I got to say. Yeah. About it, if you go back to the 2000s, you, you can hear the difference of his music, like albums like Graduation, moving into Watch the Throne with Jay-Z. And, um, you hear how he's transitioned into the um this past decade and moving into the 2020s and um he just sounds a bit different i know a lot of events have happened um for him you know um with uh chloe and uh the passing of his mom which i think may have messed him up a bit but um he's still making good music which i think and um yeah, oh, also uh, life of pablo that was a really great album oh yeah life of pablo that was a good album yeah um, Jose, who was um, your best artist of this decade and um, also your best album, the tougher one? Um, for me, I would say Drake, obviously, but I think someone else had to be – it has to be Travis Scott. I think mm. I think just the way he, he came out and just had a different style to everyone, the auto-tune, the, just the different beats. Now, now everyone – the influence from Travis Scott is enormous. Everyone sounds like Travis Scott now. I think you just got to think on his on his influence on every other rapper now. I think he's had the biggest influence. Yeah. And um, do you have a best album of the decade or uh, Joe Best album? Um, I don't know. I would. I like. I like a bunch of J Cole's albums. You have to think. Like I don't know. I can't tell you. Kendrick. Yeah. To pimp a butterfly. I think I say oh. I say to pimp a butterfly. Yeah. Album, I forgot about Kendrick. That yeah. album just it just it just Oh yeah, Kendrick. It just, it just speaks about his past and he just tells you a story and just it's just crazy. It's like a, it's like watching a movie, but it's it's crazy. I think I my my pick is to pimp a butterfly. Yeah. Bro. Um the, the, 
this one isn't mine, but I would also like to throw this name out, out there, just seeing what um you guys think about it, and then I'll say mine. Post Malone. Ooh. Post Malone's been he's been dropping a lot of hits, but I feel like he hasn't been doing it long enough yeah, to, to yeah, be in yeah. that conversation. Yeah. He's definitely a top artist, but I I finally came up with some albums that I think are top worthy for me this at was least. Drake again, right? For artists, yeah. Drake. Yeah, but yeah. albums, yeah. albums wise, my three would have to be um, Twenty One, Blonde, and uh, Starboy. Oh yeah, they like those are three albums that I can listen to all of it and not skip songs, or like not like try to avoid certain stuff because like the whole thing I just enjoy the whole project as a whole. Yeah. Whole. And, um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say it one more time. I have two more albums. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. have to say the 2014 Forest Hill Drive by J. Cole. That oh, one, yeah. I, I love that one. And also uh, Taboo by Denzel Curry. I, I haven't really heard that many people yeah. speaking about it, but I personally really liked it. I think it's just, it's like three different albums like put into one and they're all three different styles. And I just, I just like that one. Yeah, and, and but before you say yours, Nick, I would like to uh, yeah, say yeah, my yeah. best artist and my best album. Yeah, and um, I'm gonna say best artist and best album for me uh, of the 2010s goes to Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean is by far my favorite artist, and I'm saying that in every sense of the word. He's just so complex, and he tells a story within his music. You hear his experiences and um, everything he's had to go uh, go through with his um his bisexuality and um, being able to come out like that early in the decade and um, really just trying to feel accepted, but still telling his music to so many people. And um, Blonde is definitely my favorite album, but I also have to throw in there um, Chanel Orange, which is um, also uh, another one of his albums that came out in 2012. Um, has so many good songs, and I just listen to those albums and not want to skip any of the songs. Um, Frank Ocean takes it for me by far. All right, Nick. Uh, some albums I forgot about. Like I agree with Jose on "To Pimp a Butterfly." There are just some songs in there that I just I vibe out to. But like, "Damn" was a pretty good Kendrick album. Uh, there's a couple oh, yeah. songs in there like "Before My Football Games." I'll just get hype. Yeah. Like DNA, and then "Good Kid, Mad City." It's it's another one of those albums like Jose said, where it's like it's telling a story throughout it. Yeah. Of like his prior experiences, because like growing up in Compton. Like, it's just a great album. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, do we have anything else? Any anything else? We want? Um, regards to music or any topic in general. Um, just anything in general. Um, just a closing to the podcast. Uh, no, I think no. we covered everything. Yeah, yeah, we're good. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode two of uh, Recon is Speaking. Um. If you enjoyed this, we have more content coming soon uh, with uh, different hosts. We'll have different people on talking about more of these topics. Um, uh, we'll definitely get more diversity in the topics we talk about like we did today with music, YouTube, um, movies, and um, sports. And, um, yeah, overall, great episode, um, I think. Um, we got a lot of thoughts out there. And um, this podcast will be available on Spotify, um, maybe Apple Music. Um, I'm not sure on the radio again. Maybe. Uh if this is radio worthy, uh, <laughs> we'll, 